official podcast of Church at the Well in Burlington, Vermont. For more information about Church at the Well, including gathering time and location, events, and how you can financially support the podcast, please visit us online at wellchurchvt.com. Amen. He is risen. Some of you, some of you got it right with users and indeed. Yeah. Hey, this is my 35th Easter Sunday as a follower of Jesus. And I have been a pastor and a preacher for 22 of those. And the more Easter Sunday sermons I preach, the more I find myself drawn to the curious parts of the resurrection story. Now, of course, the entire resurrection story is curious, right? Jesus rising from the dead, defeating sin and death, redeeming all of creation. You, you can't find an event in history that's more unique and curious than that one. But because the event of Jesus' resurrection is so unique and so spectacular, I find that it's easy sometimes to miss some of the more subtle parts of the resurrection story. Parts that are just jam-packed with power and truth. And this morning, we're going to look at what I find to be one of the more curious parts of the resurrection story, and that's this. After his resurrection, Jesus chose personal encounters over public exhibitions. We're told in the Gospels, the Gospels record 10 post-resurrection appearances by Jesus. Five of them happen on the day of his resurrection, where he appears to his disciples. And then there are five more that happen over the span of the next 40 days. But all 10 of those post-resurrection experiences and encounters were personal interactions. Instead of 40 days and nights of revival meetings, Jesus decided to have personal conversations with his friends with the disciples. Instead of preaching to the crowd, he engages in personal interaction. And I think that's telling about what kind of king he is, about what kind of kingdom he leads. Now, I know if I was Jesus' PR person, if I was his agent, I would have booked some well-publicized events for him after the resurrection. It would have been the Sermon on the Mount Part 2, the, the resurrection tour. And and I would have launched a a social media campaign and it would be a picture of Jesus floating off the ground like this. And underneath it would say, hashtag, I'm back. (laughs) But but Jesus Jesus didn't do any of those things. Because when Jesus rose from the dead, he chose public encounters over public events. He wanted to encounter people personally right where they were. And so this morning, I want to look at one of those encounters, one of those personal interactions. And I want to go to the Gospel of John, where Jesus has a very personal interaction with one of his friends named Thomas. Now, Thomas, we know, was one of the 12 disciples who Jesus chose. We don't know all that much about Thomas. We know that he was called Didymus which means the twin. And so apparently Thomas had a twin brother. 
Um, when we think of the disciples, when we think of the 12, if, if there was a disciple hierarchy, we would put, you know, Peter, James, and John at the top. Then we have the other disciples who most of us don't remember their names, right? And somewhere in the middle. At the very bottom would be Judas, right? The one who betrayed Jesus. And Thomas would come in right barely above Judas at number 11. And the nickname that history gave Thomas, of course, is Doubting Thomas, right? Because he was the one disciple who didn't believe that Jesus had written, had risen. And we have heard it in church sermons before, don't be like Thomas. But I believe that Thomas gets a bad rap, unfairly so. There's only two biblical accounts where Thomas speaks up and says something. John chapter 11, in the passage we're going to look at this morning, John chapter 20. In John chapter 11, Thomas makes this courageous statement. Jesus announces to his disciples that he's going to go back to Judea because his friend Lazarus has died. Now, Judea was a dangerous place at that time because the religious leaders had just tried to kill Jesus the last time he was in Judea. And so Jesus announces to the disciples, I'm heading back to Judea. And Thomas turns to the other disciples and he says this, let's all go die with him. So clearly Thomas is no slouch as a disciple, right? He's quite courageous. But the second time Thomas speaks up in John chapter 20, it's not portrayed so well. Because he makes a declaration of doubt. He refuses to believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. And when his disciple friends try to convince him otherwise, he gets really angsty. And he says this, I won't believe until I put my finger in his nail wounds and my hand in his side. And you read that and you think, whoa, wait a minute, Thomas. Take it down a notch. (laughs) That's a little morbid. You know, our friend just died. He was, you know, went to the cross. And now you're saying you won't believe until you like put your hand in his wounds. It's a little intense. But in all fairness to Thomas, the other disciples had seen Jesus on the day of his resurrection. But Thomas did not. We're told that Thomas wasn't there with them when Jesus appeared to the other disciples. We're not sure where he was, but he missed it. Have you guys ever had something like that happen? Where the one time you're not hanging out with your friends, they have the shared experience, and it's the experience of a lifetime, and you missed it. Doesn't that give you a little bit more grace for Thomas and his angst? I'm going to invite Abby to come up, and she's going to read our passage for us this morning, and it's John chapter 20, verse 24 through 29. Now Thomas also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciples told him, we have seen the Lord. But he said to them, unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hand into his side, I will not believe. A week later, his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was with them. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. Stop doubting and believe. 
Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. I want to draw our attention to verse 26. Verse 26 says this, A week later, his disciples were in the house again, and Thomas was with them. So we're told in John's gospel that the disciples were together in the same house, in the same room where Jesus first appeared to them on the day of his resurrection. But it's now a week later. And they're gathered in the same house. The door is still locked because they're still afraid that the religious leaders are going to find them and kill them. But this time, John tells us, Thomas is with them. Now, I want you to imagine just for a moment what a brutal week this must have been for Thomas. All his disciple friends want to talk about is how Jesus showed up and he wasn't there. You can imagine them almost in this locked room, right? And they're all in there and Thomas is there and, and Peter's probably saying, oh, Thomas, you should have been here last week. Jesus showed up. Like he was standing right where you were standing and he looked over at Nathaniel and he, he said the joke and he smiled. And then he went over to John and, and, and he encouraged John. He said this powerful thing. It just blew John away. Oh, it's, so, it's too bad you weren't here, Thomas, to see it. It was amazing. What do you think that week felt like for Thomas? I, I bet you... I bet you Thomas felt left out. I bet he felt dejected. Perhaps he felt detached. Maybe even a little lonely. I wonder if Thomas said to himself in that room on that Sunday, I wonder if he said, you know, maybe I don't belong here. Obviously, Jesus didn't care enough about me to come and find me. He, saw, he showed up to everybody else, but he didn't come to me. I wonder if he thought to himself, maybe I'm not disciple material. But here's what I love about Thomas. He's there with them anyway. Thomas doesn't allow his feelings of disconnection to discourage him from gathering with the other disciples. Now that's another sermon. I don't have time to preach that one. (laughs) But look what happens next. The rest of verse 26 says this. Though the doors were locked, Jesus came and stood among them and said, peace be with you. And then Jesus does the oddest thing. He, he, he has a one-on-one conversation with Thomas. He has this personal encounter, this, this personal interaction, because that's what Jesus did when he rose from the dead. He didn't do public events and, and camp meetings. He had one-on-one interactions. Look what he says to Thomas, verse 27. Then he said to Thomas, put your finger here. See my hands. Reach out your hand and put it into my side. I want us to take notice of this. Jesus isn't offended by Thomas's callous request to touch his wounds. He doesn't scold Thomas. He invites Thomas to investigate them. Which tells us this, Jesus can handle our belligerence and our doubts. He's a pretty secure guy. (laughs) 
If you're belligerent towards him and you're angry, you're upset, you're disappointed in him, if you have doubts in him, guess what? He can handle those. You can just say those. He knows them anyway. Now, I don't know about you, but I find it absolutely fascinating that after the resurrection, Jesus still has his wounds. Why? Why on earth would he keep these grotesque wounds on his body, a spear hole in his side, nail holes in his feet and in his hands? Why on earth would he do that? I mean, he's able to appear and disappear out of rooms. He's able to listen in on conversations without even being present. You think he would be able to to just fix up those gruesome wounds. So why didn't he? Why did he keep them? Well, I believe Jesus kept his wounds for this reason. Because sometimes we don't need to see another miracle to believe. We need to see his wounds. Because when we see his wounds, we witness the power of redemption. See, Isaiah the prophet, he said this about Jesus. He was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. By his stripes, we are healed. See, Thomas didn't need to see another miracle by Jesus. He'd seen enough of those. He needed to see his wounds. He needed to know the redemptive power of God at work. He needed to know that the same resurrection life that Jesus was walking in was available now to him. And when Jesus showed Thomas his wounds, he said, take a good look, Thomas. Because you're not the only one who's felt the sting of disappointment. You're not the only one who's felt detached. You're not the only one who's had to go through something all by yourself. So take a good look at these wounds and see with your own eyes how God redeems. Because resurrection can be your story too. Hold on. Invite more Pentecostal friends to Easter next year. Okay, little note. (laughs) Can I share something that I'm becoming more and more convinced of? Until we show the world our wounds, until we stop being afraid of showing them our wounds, we're never going to be able to fully model the way of Jesus. Because Jesus, the way of Jesus is vulnerability. Let me ask you this question. How close do you let people to your life? Who knows your story? Who knows the stress and tensions in your marriage? Who knows about the disappointments in the doubts that you've wrestled with? Who knows all of your insecurities and your failures? Yeah, (laughs) he does, that's true. See, here's the thing. If all we learn in life is how to cover up our wounds, we're probably doing it wrong. Because the way of Jesus involves vulnerability. In fact, I'll say this. We can't reintroduce who Jesus is until we step in and make ourselves vulnerable. And I'm convinced that the church will never reach a doubting world if we continue to hide our wounds. If we continue to cover up our problems, our sins, our faults, our shortcomings. See, 
The world doesn't need to see a perfect church. They need to see a church who says, oh, you're wounded? Look, me too. Put your hand in it. Feel it. And see with your own eyes how God redeems. That's what the world needs to see and hear. One thing I have to add into this. While Jesus let his wounds be seen, he wasn't defined by them. He didn't appear to Thomas as a victim of circumstances. He appeared to Thomas as the resurrected one, the exalted one, the risen one, the king of kings, the lord of lords, the all-powerful one, the eternal one. See, there is a world of difference between letting our wounds be seen and allowing them to define us. Because when, when we define ourselves by our wounds, what happens is we stay in the place of our woundedness. You've seen it, right? You've experienced it before. Where, where you, you, you go through something and you made it, you survived, you're still here, but you're stuck in the same spot where your woundedness occurred. Because you've allowed yourself to be defined by those wounds. But listen, Jesus didn't stay on the cross. He walked out of the tomb forever known as the resurrected one, the risen one. And when Thomas sees that, when he sees the resurrected one, Jesus, with his wounds, and he's standing there, he's the risen one, he's the all-powerful one, he's the one who conquers sin and death and redeems all of creation. Thomas makes this powerful proclamation. He says, my Lord and my God. You know... That's the first time any of the disciples referred to Jesus as their God. Thomas was the first one. Doubting Thomas, who we just get the hardest time to. He's number 11 <laughs> out of the 12. And yet he, he's the first one to say to Jesus, my God. Well, let me share with you what happened to Thomas after this personal encounter with the resurrected Jesus. Church history tells us that instead of going west, like many of the other disciples, Thomas chose to go east to India. And when he arrived in India, he sold himself into slavery because he was convinced that slaves need to find the freedom in Christ. And so he became an enslaved carpenter. And one day while he was working, He told his fellow slaves the story of Jesus. And I'm pretty sure he shared all the vulnerable parts about his own failings. And how Jesus met him that day. And some of the people who heard his message believed. And the church in India was born. Church tradition also tells us that Thomas was martyred by a tribal chief with a spear. In AD 72, it's interesting that he would die by a spear, right? Simulating the same spear wound that Jesus experienced on the cross. The same wound that Thomas said, until I feel it and touch it, I won't believe. Toward the end of his life, Thomas was given a new nickname, Didymus Christo, which means the twin of Christ. So I want to show you two pictures as I close. One of these pictures is the entrance 
of St. Thomas Church located in the suburbs of Chennai, India. And the other is what's known as the symbol of St. Thomas. It's a spear and a carpenter square. This, this symbol is a powerful reminder to us that there's a God who's vulnerable. Right? There's a God who's willing to meet us right where we are in the midst of our doubts, in the midst of our disappointments. And there's a God who wants to personally encounter each and every one of us. Amen? Amen. So let me close just by, by saying a prayer for us. Um, I imagine there's, there's some folks here and you um, are at a place in your life where you identify a great deal with Thomas because you two have doubts. Uh, you two have disappointments. You're here, um, but it feels like you're on the outside looking in, right? And more than anything else, you don't need to see another miracle to believe. You need to see a personal encounter with Jesus. And so I want to pray that for you. And there might be others here who need something different. Maybe, maybe you're here this morning and, and Jesus is having a personal interaction with you right now. And you're, you're, you're sensing the need that, oh yeah, I need to become more vulnerable as a person, as a follower of Jesus. I need to become more vulnerable because you've been hiding and, and covering up your wounds and you're missing out on the opportunity to demonstrate the resurrection and redemption that God offers and has done in your life. And so you need courage. So I want to pray for that too. So can we pray together? Let's pray. Jesus, thank you for keeping your wounds. What a testimony of redemption and resurrection. What a good reminder for us. Lord, I pray for all my friends here who maybe they're identifying with Thomas this morning. They have their doubts, they have their disappointments, and maybe even some angst in their heart toward you. First of all, Jesus, thank you that you're not intimidated by that, but you invited Thomas to investigate. And Lord, I know that you're going to do the same with all my friends who are in that place in life. God, I pray more than anything that that all of the folks who are maybe in that place of of doubt and disappointment, that, that they would have a personal encounter with you this morning. Lord, I pray for my friends who are here that uh, maybe recognize that they need more courage because they've been hiding and covering up the wounds, missing out on the opportunity to, to show the redemptive power of God. Lord, I know that you must have been uncomfortable when Thomas put his hand in your wound because vulnerability is uncomfortable. So God, I pray for courage for all my friends that are here this morning and, and know that they know that they know that you're inviting them in to a new level of vulnerability in their lives. Lord, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your patience with us. And most of all, we thank you for the sacrifice you made so that we could step into resurrection life too. So that we could realize and walk into redemption. So Jesus, do what you do best. Show up. Speak to each one of our hearts in the way that only you can. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. Church at the Well is a community reintroducing Jesus in Vermont through worship, 
service, creativity, and community. 